0: Welcome, listeners, to The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon, the podcast that highlights cozy and traditional mysteries. You won't find stories filled with explicit sex or graphic violence. You will find interviews with authors who create crime fiction filled with intriguing plots, engaging characters, and high-quality writing. Thanks for listening. Welcome listeners to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. I'm Alexia Gordon, author and host of the podcast. Francis McNamara joins me in the corner today to chat about Death on the Homefront, the latest Emily Cabot mystery. Welcome, Francis. Hi, nice to be here. Uh, Death on the Homefront is the eighth Emily Cabot mystery. Would you tell us what your sluice up to this time out?
1: So... Um... The series started in 1893. Now it's 1917, and um, she's a uh, fictional character who's from Boston, but she works as a lecturer at the University of Chicago, and she's in Chicago. And it is right in the spring when we join the um, the World War One, when America became involved in World War One. She has two. She has three grown children at this point: two boys and a girl and um, her daughter's best friend who is supposed to get married to the brother of the girl the daughter's going to marry is found dead and that's how Emily gets pulled into this mystery and um, it's right right at the end of March beginning of April 1917 when we were getting into the war. What made you decide to write a historical series? Well, I had written some, um, contemporary ones that weren't published and I worked with computers. So some of them were about computers and boy, can that information go out of date really quickly. (laughs) And I was working at the university of Chicago and I happened on a, um, a memoir of the first Dean of, uh, students at university of Chicago. And they sounded like interesting people at an interesting time. So, um, I started writing a book about that, and it got a very good uh, response from my, um, uh, my writing group that I was with. So um, it just turned out to be really interesting to be able to have some real um, historical characters in there. And Chicago's an interesting place, but I didn't grow up there. I grew up in Boston. So it was fun to um, investigate the history.
0: And uh, you're talking about research, you know, Chicago today is definitely different from Chicago of a hundred years ago. So what kind of research did you do to bring the Chicago of the past to life for modern readers?
1: Well, um, I like place. So it started with the campus of the University of Chicago, which was, you know, built right around the time I started the series. And then the second one was at Hull House, which is actually on the campus of University of Chicago. Chicago, I mean, at University of Illinois in Chicago, In Chicago, and you could visit it. And then Pullman was a, um, a factory town. The third book is about that. And that's a place you can actually visit in Chicago. So places were important. I read memoirs. So the memoir of the first dean um, of the University of Chicago, then the memoir of um, Jane Adams and Florence Kelly for the book about um, Uh, about Hull House, and then newspaper articles, of course, because those are the ones that really take you right back. And so much has been digitized. It used to be hard to get at newspapers, old newspapers, but now you can get at them online, and you can search right by date and by uh, subject and that kind of thing, and that really pulls you in. So I was working at the uh, Regenstein Library at the University of Chicago, so I had access to a lot of really good research materials, and it's when you get down to the everyday stories of what's happening with people that you find out things. You learn about people you never heard of. You find out people um, things were happening that you never expected, like that the um, the mayor of Chicago was known as Kaiser Bill because he was thought to be too sympathetic with the Germans because there were so many German Americans who voted for him in Chicago. So all sorts of interesting things like that.
0: Now that, that touches on, you know, a big social and political issue. Obviously, you know, America's entrance or not entrance into the First World War. Um, a lot of your books touch on some significant social and political issues of, of the time. So how did you decide which ones to include? And how did you decide which side of the debates your characters would fall on?
1: <laughs> well, actually, there was such interesting dilemmas that it was good to be able to make them not too, too easy to, um, to get a, a solution to. So the first book um, I wanted to set at the, um, the World Columbian Exposition and The Devil in the White City had already been written. And a lot of that is about the serial killer who they didn't really find till a couple of years later. And I don't care that much about serial killers, but I found out that Ida B. Wells was doing her anti-lynching campaign Right on the campus, she right uh, at the um, World's Fair. She she was out there giving out a um, uh, a pamphlet saying um, why the colored Americans are not at the uh, Columbian Exposition. So I just found that found her fascinating and that fascinating. A lot of the books bring up women who were doing things at the time that you didn't know about. So. It makes for better conflict. Um, So the Pullman strike, in particular, I mean, I didn't realize that federal troops had gone into an American city, and that happened with that. And um, you know, there were there were labor people who were setting off bombs or something like that, but most of them were, you know, trying to to make a fair wage. Um, so it's a lot of them are not easy problems. Um, there were two, but I, I was always looking for women at the time because they were very interesting. The women who like Jane Adams and Florence Kelly um, began working in social work right at that time, both in the city itself and in the U- University of Chicago. They didn't want it to be too theoretical. They wanted it to be to be social work so that things were actually happening, legislation was happening. And you don't realize how much they actually did. Um, there were two women I heard about at the um, Chinatown Museum in Chicago. The two Chinese women in 1896 had gotten medical degrees at University of Michigan. And then they spent the summer of 1896 in Chicago and then went back and were famous for running clinics in um, in China. But nobody knew what they were doing in um 1896 in Chicago. So that gave me, I could put in a fictional murder that they're involved in. And then turn up a lot of information about um, the Exclusion Act for Asian Americans and the paper sons um, that were happening at that time. The, I think they're really interesting um, problems that. Um, get repeated in American history and Chicago's right in the middle of of America. And it was a time when they were reflecting a lot of issues that those issues come up again and again and don't necessarily get resolved. So it made for interesting conflict.
0: (laughs) Yes, and then conflict is uh, always uh, a mix for gripping subjects for for all kinds of uh, fiction. Um, Speaking of fiction, you've of course mentioned several people who actually existed, but your protagonist is uh, your creation. So what's the trickiest thing about combining these
1: real historical figures with fictional characters? Right, so, well, for one thing, give up on people who are real historians because they don't want to read fictionalized versions of it. But a lot of us do, and I like to read um, about a particular, place or a particular time period that I don't know about and get interested in particular characters. So um, it, it's important to me every time to find some real characters to be involved because they have such interesting stories that have been hidden that um, you can, that people really are interested when you bring them to the top. But the story itself has to be about the fictional person and it has to be a problem for them. And it has to be, she's in. She works with a, a fictional police detective, but she's an amateur detective. So, as you know, you, you have to make it believable that she's involved. So, in the most recent book, her daughter is in the middle of this, and it turns out one of her sons is um, involved with the uh, the whole thing that's going on with the um, uh, the people who are who want to get into the war and um, want to find German spies and people who are in motor car racing and things like that. But her own fictional family has to be involved to have the reader really interested. So sometimes, I mean, in Hull House, I made Florence Kelly an actual um, suspect, and she was a real person, so she probably wasn't a suspect in a (laughs) murder. In two of the books, I actually use real historical killers, and I add some fictional bodies to them. So it is always a balancing act and it's something you have to be a little careful about when you're writing historicals.
0: <laughs> do, you, do you ever hear from from historians, either, either yay or nay?
1: Um, yes, um, uh, like I say, people who don't like fictional history don't read it. But I was really happy to go down to Pullman, the town of Pullman. And they were, the people there were up on the history and were very interested in, and they liked the book. So I felt good about that. And um, so, yeah, you do hear from people sometimes, um, but it tends to be people who, who like reading historical fiction. Um, and I always put an afterward in so that with pointers to some of the sources that I used because the, the, people you turn up that people haven't heard about are so interesting, you know, they might want to go back and read more about them, some of the characters, so.
0: Now, do you you ever hear from Bostonians to say, why Chicago and why not us? Because Boston (laughs) certainly has plenty of history, you know, dating back to what, 17, whatever, 16, whatever, so.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I lived about, um, about 25 years in Chicago. I lived in Columbus, Ohio before that, but I came back to Boston after I retired And yes, that is a question. So in fact, I have a book that's set in Boston in 1919. And there's a woman named Frances Glesner Lee, who made a bunch of little miniature rooms that were crime scenes. And they were used for years and years to teach detectives, to teach police detectives. And I found out she was actually from Chicago, but in 1919, she was running a house on um, for returning soldiers on Beacon Hill. And she was working with the real um, medical examiner of that time, who was a real character too. So I, I wrote that book. I set it in Boston. My nephew has a um, an apartment in the North End in the old buildings of the North End, and he's got a um, a roof deck uh, on it. And I have I have them some anarchists meeting there, and somebody gets thrown off that roof deck. And I could use a bunch of other real Boston places. So people do ask that also. My father was police commissioner from 1962 to 72, and he had a lot of really interesting stories. But I've never felt uh, competent to <laughs> take on those stories. But people are always saying to me, Why don't you, you know, he used to tell these great stories. Why don't you, why don't you write him up? <laughs> <laughs> Now, do you, you you know, Boston and
0: Chicago are both fascinating cities. So do you see your your settings as characters in themselves or as as just backdrops for the rest of your story?
1: No, very much um, characters in themselves. I think what I noticed about Chicago not having grown up there was that um, the imprint is very much on the city of those people from like the 1890s, early 1900s. Um, when you look at, like, I had an apartment looking out on Grant Park and Field Museum, and and you really, it, those people had, had sort of formed that city in a lot of ways. And Boston, I mean, I did, I grew up loving walking around Boston. It's got lots of history. I used to walk around with my father, and he'd say, now, we walk down the street, and you see that architecture there, and that architect did that, and I see, this guy gets shot here and that guy got <laughs> there so he had a different view of the city you know there's lots of different views of the city so they are they are fascinating
0: yeah, I, I imagine the the view uh, you know a tour by a police commissioner is probably not going to be the same as a tour by the chamber of commerce right
1: <laughs> what's well, a little different yep <laughs> so yeah so i i do love cities i think they do have a real personality themselves and i I lived in Columbus, Ohio for about nine years, and I was so disappointed. I I, um, rented a place in German Village, which is just south of the city, and then I would walk into the city in the weekend, and nobody would be in there because everybody lives in the suburbs, and they stay there (laughs) in the weekends, and I was so disappointed, so when I moved to um, Chicago, I was so much happier because it was a real big city with a life and lots of different people and lots of different neighborhoods. Yes. me. I really am a city girl, I think.
0: <laughs> actually, I'm, I'm a fan of cities, too, so I, I understand
1: that. <laughs> now, um, well, you live in a nice little city there, right? You're in Newport, right? Uh,
0: I am not. I actually, uh, actually came here from Chicago most recently, and then to Newport, which is a, a nice little city. I mean, you know, by yeah. Chicago and Boston standards, it's a town, but it's still a very yeah vibrant town with uh, lots of history and, and personality, history.
1: yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so yes, I, I, and, and I do live within walking distance of the, the town center, so I'm, I, oh, that's great. That's I'm a city great. person. I
1: actually had Newport in, um, I wrote one book that was set in Woods Hole because all the scientists at the University of Chicago ran the Woods Hole Marine Biological Laboratory in 1894. And so I set one there. And at one point, one of the, they go over to Newport and visit some people there. So I actually had some scenes in Newport. Oh, wow, excellent. So I did use, I did use um, you know, I, we actually have a family house on Cape Cod, so I used- Oh, okay. Uh, with- <laughs> 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 and I did one set in Paris. I, Bertha Palmer, who was a, a big socialite, wealthy socialite, takes Emily and her family to Paris in 1900 for the Parasics exposition so that was wow again is a wonderful city you know so it <laughs> plays a part in the book
0: that <laughs> did, did you um you know in addition to researching the the Paris of 1900 did you uh you know what kind of research did you do into like how you physically get from Chicago to Paris in the 1900 which you know should's vastly different
1: than yeah. you know yeah, in, in the four times you could just go gold. get on a plane <laughs> But the best history was I had a friend who at that time was um, studying at Yale for a uh, medieval studies thing. And we went over for two weeks and had an apartment in Paris. And she was doing Chartres Cathedral. We went out there several times, but I was doing like uh, 1900 Paris, which you can find things all over. So that was my excuse for that book. <laughs> I did The trip. <laughs> Research trip, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hey, yeah. Now,
0: um, as mentioned, "Death on the Home Front" is the eighth book in your Emily Cabot right. series. So, right. how do you how do you keep a series feeling fresh eight books in? You know, aside from you know the setting it in different places and taking side trips to Paris and Newport
1: and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a challenge. I'm sure you know that because you write a series. Um, I made a decision after the first four books, uh, Woods Hole. My editor said to me when I gave her the Woods Hole book, she said, you know, this has all happened in two years. This girl must be exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought about it and I thought about it. And, and, you know, like somebody like Victoria Thompson, she's got a wonderful Gaslight series and it's gone on. There must be 15 or 20 books, but it all takes place in about four years. There's another historical mystery writer I really like who's uh, Stephen Saylor and he writes about Rome, but his character has a family and so forth and he jumps years and he goes to different, um, interesting historical backgrounds for the thing. So I decided I would, I would write one that jumped a number of years, let the people grow up, the people change. And I even and I know how I'm going to end it in 1934. There's a world's fair in Chicago again. So I'll start with one and end with one. So, um, it's a challenge to do that. Um, for sure. Um, not to repeat, but, but I am drawing on history and going down into the newspaper articles and finding out stuff you didn't realize happened. (laughs) So So right now I'm working on one that's set very closely after this book, because it's set in 1918. And I did the I planned this a long time, several years ago, (laughs) but it's during the pandemic. um, And right when the war is coming to an end. And um, that's and uh, it also features a, a really avant-garde um, uh, club that was in Chicago at the time called the dill Pickle so the next one is set there and then I want to set one when the when Wall Street crashes and the last one in that 1934 um, uh, World's Fair in Chicago. so. so- have a plan. (laughs) So um, does
0: does that that help to kind of know where you're going to end it? Does that sort of help you plot out, you know, where you kind of need to go in each book to get to that 1934 point?
1: Yeah, it it helps me anyways. I I tend to be more of a somebody who does outline type things. And I knew that the idea of my books was going to be, they have to have that, that personal, follow that family, like those characters you're doing but I was interested in giving it a backdrop every time of some, some big, significant American crisis, like the, the war, the pandemic, the Wall Street um, thing, whatever. So in 1934, of course, is, is um, you know, when you had the uh, terrible depression. But so, there were a lot of women who wound up in, in Roosevelt's uh, cabinet, some of the women who had worked at Hull- House and so forth, who worked on the uh, social programs there
0: and And so, why did you, um other than than wanting to start and end with the World's Fair, why did you decide not to go on into, like, say, um, like thirty nine or forty in the start of the second world war?
1: Um, well, I figure it can't last forever. <laughs> <laughs> I' still have to write those those. And um, um I actually on the side was thinking of of starting another. I had a, a couple of other all starts of other series type things so um i you know i just think that one would would make it complete she she was born in 1870 uh, so she's going to be in her 60s and people didn't live forever at those days so i'd have to do the children something some people do that elizabeth peters did that with her egyptologist her children became really important and actually Lindsay davis did that with her her character in rome and his daughter takes over his detective thing <laughs> but I, I don't think i'm going to last that long so
0: <laughs> and i think the the miss fisher series on on tv did that the miss fisher's modern mysteries they kind of bumped it up from the what 20s to the 60s i guess
1: oh did they i ha- you know I've, I've watched a few of those but i haven't watched the whole series did they? that's interesting
0: now i don't know if the modern miss fisher
1: i don't know what the relation well, is to the do, original do, but do. uh <laughs> And kill you want, and so long as you make it interesting for the readers and they they believe it. <laughs> That's true.
0: <laughs> and and so you you've touched a little on it. What do you what do you see Emily going next after um, uh, the kind of the death on the home front in the World War on One? You mentioned the, pandemic in the in the, next the book. pandemic in the in the next book. Yeah. And um, are yes.
1: you? because nobody they they tell you not to write about pandemics because everybody wants to forget it after this. So <laughs> but there's other things in the book besides besides the pandemic. But I had I had meant to do that because before this pandemic came on, there were a number of um like PBS type shows and so forth, but really people had blocked it out after that pandemic. So you didn't hear about it that much. So it came because it was so so important at the time but people almost sort of blocked it out of their minds afterwards it seemed like um you know the fact that there were bodies everywhere and there weren't enough uh, coffins and all kind of, philadelphia was particularly bad i guess so um so i had meant to bring that up as a forgotten piece of history but of course it's no longer forgotten because this pandemic came up
0: <laughs> although people may be surprised to discover how many similarities there actually were
1: <laughs> really They uh, estimated that 675,000 people in the United States died from that. And considering how much smaller the population was. Of course, the population was smaller at that time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, but
0: that means that was a big chunk of the population, uh, you know, if you. Yeah. So it's, (laughs) oh, yeah.
1: But vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. Yes. I'm happy for the vaccines. (laughs) Let's get those going.
0: (laughs) And uh, where, where can readers buy a copy of Death on the Homefront?
1: uh death on the home front is available um at amazon but also at bookshop.org um actually if you go to the alien press or my site or the alien press site they will um link you to a number of different sites so Bronze & Noble, and other ones, too. Um, the physical book, uh, you'll find in some of the Chicago bookstores. Some of the libraries carry the series, too, even in Boston. I think the Boston Public Library carries the series. So, um, you know, you can start there and find it a number of places. And um, if you can't come to a signing, I can always send you a signed book plate. I got some book plates, and um, I sent those to, like, um, um Centuries and Sleuths in Chicago and Forest Park. Uh, that's usually where I used to have a lunch, launch party and we couldn't do that this year. So I sent them a bunch of signed, signed book plates. And so so, re, so,
0: folks who are interested in getting a signed book plate is going through a Centuries and Sleuth bookstore the best way or is there another way to connect with yeah, you about that? that?
1: From, you could contact me via my website. I got a contact form. I'd be happy to provide that. And, and what's your website? FrancisMcNamara.com. And
0: are you on any other social media,
1: Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or anything? I'm on Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, but I I probably do Facebook more than anything else. And it's just Francis McNamara on Facebook, too. (laughs) And most of my posts are public. And most of the ones I look at are other authors, <laughs> including yours. I've been getting yours.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, and I should mention, and, and you're you're published by Allium Press. That's a Chicago-based publisher, right? I should
1: Right. Allium Press is a small press that does fiction with the Chicago Connection. And its motto is Rescuing Chicago from Capone, one book at a time. <laughs> so people would know because you go you'd go to overseas or anything, and the, the one thing people would know about Chicago is boom, boom, boom. Al Capone <laughs> but there's a lot it's run by a woman who um had a friend of mine who had been a reference librarian at Chicago History Museum and knows a lot of Chicago history and does a lot of research in it and there's a lot more to Chicago than uh, Al Capone.
0: And will Al Capone be making any cameos in your book?
1: No, I don't think my editor would allow me. <laughs> <laughs> Since rescuing Chicago from Al Capone. <laughs> <laughs> that you would allow me to so well I'll have to see <laughs>
0: <laughs> on, on that note thank you very much for joining me in the corner today um, I'm I'm glad you were here and Al Capone was not <laughs>
1: <laughs> well thank you very much for inviting me I appreciate it
0: <laughs> and thank you listeners for tuning in to another episode of the Coney Co- Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon my guest today was Francis McNamara author of Death on the Homefront I'm your host, Alexia Gordon. Until next time, goodbye. Bye. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of The Cozy Corner with Alexia Gordon. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star rating or review. Help me keep bringing you fun and informative chats with authors of cozy and traditional mysteries by supporting the podcast on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash author Alexia Gordon. Until next time, goodbye.